This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. to micro queers your weekly queer horror short roundup i'm joe and i'm trace and we're talking um well honestly a short that i'm not really sure what point it's trying to get across so uh, we're talking uh dominic haxton's tonight it's you yeah this one's interesting because it brings us back to the threatening world of dating hookup scenarios that we explored with hey you apparently mm-hmm. they all have to have you in the title But this one is, it's a bit more controversial because there's mixed readings of it. So some people find that it's uh, be careful who you hook up with. And then others are like, so gay demons? See, okay, yeah. I was going more towards the religious aspect as opposed to the horrors of gay dating. Although both apply. But yes, my takeaway from this was, oh, so the gay guy is evilly possessed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So in case folks haven't seen Tonight Is You, the general logline is browsing profiles on his phone. Handsome CJ arranges a late night hookup with Misfit Hunter. Misfit? Really? Only to discover more going on in Hunter's backwoods farmhouse than he bargained for. I mean, I guess Misfit in the sense that, you know, he didn't want to do crystal meth with him. <laughs> yeah, I was trying real hard to be like, is that supposed to be pot or is that crystal meth? Because we're talking some broad stereotypes here if that's the meth. Okay, so hey, okay, I'm going to put this story out here because I just think it's funny because I don't have any experience with meth. Oh, come on, Trace, just tell us about your crystal meth experience. No, 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 no. no. But, okay, but like, do you know like the code for meth like on the dating apps? God, no. There's okay. a code? Yes. Okay, so basically, okay. Like, so the first time my husband and I broke up, like, this would have been, like, around 2012-ish. Uh, maybe it was the second time. Maybe it was 2013. <laughs> I, I got on the apps for a bit in, like, you know, the three months we were not together. And okay. I made my name T. Like, my username on Grinder was just T because that's the first letter of my name. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be, like, all, you know. So mysterious. So secret sexy. To, yeah, mysterious. <laughs> But basically, I had someone message me, and they're like, oh, hey, you party. And I was like, yeah, I party. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, no. Party <laughs> means drugs. Got that. But here's the thing. Okay, so, because he was like, oh, well, I have Tina. And I was like, what is 
what is that? And he, he's like, oh, that's like speed. I was like, oh, so is it, is it like cocaine? And they're like, yeah, it's kind of like cocaine. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so Tina is short for Christina, which is a nickname for crystal meth. Mm-hmm. But the code is that T is what it goes by for short. And so Jesus a lot of times Christ. you'll see grinder profiles where like they have their name, but the only letter capitalized in their name is T or it's like party and play with like the T and party capitalized. So oh, I see if you see someone's profile and the only capital letter in their name is T, that usually means they're meth heads. Wow. Okay. This podcast so informational, folks. <laughs> Not super related because the meth doesn't play a huge part in this, except that they, for some reason, I guess, were able to sustain boners while on crystal meth, but that's mm-hmm. a whole other story. Yeah, so this is a bad hookup story, and our protagonist, CJ, who is played by Jake Robbins, who is a frequent collaborator with the director, Dominic Haxton, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment, but the character of CJ, we're meant to believe, lives in a fairly midwesty kind of place because there's a lot of torso pics there's a lot of blank profiles in these dating apps suggesting that either these are straight people who don't want to be identified or they're people who aren't out for whatever reason well he also lives in a trailer I mean, lots of people live in trailers. Let's not right, but, I'm, but like a lot without having the experience of living in a trailer park, no shade. I feel like the areas that you'll find those in aren't going to be big metropolitan areas, right? That makes sense. So basically, CJ's options are not great. So when he gets messaged by this guy who is later revealed to be Hunter, who's maybe using a false picture, which is another kind of casualty of online dating for yeah the gay community. So he shows up, and basically, you can see that Dominic Axon is putting in a lot of legwork. And if you read interviews with him about the short, he talks a lot about trying to not cue audiences as to what type of horror it's going to be. So there's constantly like, oh, is it going to be a cultist because there's a pentagram on the shed? Oh, is it going to be that the dad is a homophobe and he's going to beat the shit out of these two people? And of course, it's eventually revealed to be, oh, no, this guy, Hunter, just should not be allowed out because he actually is possessed. So, okay, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll walk back being offended by the end of this film because... Is the implication then supposed to be that these people aren't against him because he's gay? It's just, quote-unquote, because he's possessed. So here is the issue. That is the way it's intended to be read, but I don't think it's actually clear. So when you look at reviews and responses to this short, you see a bunch of people who are like, oh, is this what straight people think gay sex is like? Is this another one of those, like, gay equals, evil equals demons? So interestingly enough, this was so much of an issue that Haxton responded to it in some of these articles. So I've got a slightly lengthy quotation. Bear with me. This is from iHorror. So Haxton says, A lot of people have made comments that I'm equating being gay with demons. There's this idea that if you make a gay-themed horror film, then this person or that person can't be the bad guy because then you're equating being gay with being bad. They protested Silence of the Lambs because they said it painted a negative picture of trans people. They did the same thing with the lesbian character in Basic Instinct. Anytime we see representations of queer people in horror or in a suspense thriller in a negative light or showing them as the antagonist, people think that the filmmaker is making a negative commentary on it. But sometimes the character just happens to be gay and he also just happens to be possessed by a demon. I don't disagree with that. 
I mean, it kind of goes back to our statement, uh, to our discussion during the Vampire Lovers, right? Where we discuss, like, oh, it's sometimes it's okay to have a gay villain because sometimes you want to identify, or sorry, a queer villain because you, sometimes you like to identify with a queer villain or you just like the queer villain. And mm-hmm. there's a difference between a villain being villainous because they are gay or a villain being villainous that also just happens to be gay. Yeah, I think part of the issue with this particular short is the fact that there's a lot of tension around the queer community with things like gay conversion camps. So the minute Mm -hmm. that you introduce religion and exorcisms into it, you're automatically starting to move into that nebulous territory that makes gay people very uncomfortable. But also the way that the film presents it, so they get so mad when they realize that someone else's belt was in the shed. Mm -hmm. So... Let's say for a second that they didn't care that he was gay, that it was only an issue of him being possessed. Why would that matter? I I guess maybe they thought he was, like, sacrificing someone? It's not clear. And I don't disagree with Haxton's statement, but I think that the way that this film implies it is that, oh no, they are anti-gay. It comes across as if the the fact that he was a demon was also a bit of a surprise to them. And maybe I need to rewatch it again to see, like, the actual reactions on their faces. So basically, the dad is there, and initially he's positioned as a threat. The boys are having sex in the shed. It's really stylishly shot. Mm -hmm. I really like the kind of black background. It reminded me a bit of Under the Skin. But um, then the dad comes out, and you're immediately meant to think, oh, shit, okay, they're going to get caught. This dad's not going to be supportive of a queer lifestyle. So this is where the danger lies. And it kind of is, but then before CJ can escape back to his car from this like bad hookup, that's when (laughs) this preacher and his wife show up. So the implication is the time has not passed long enough. So clearly these people were coming to perform some kind of exorcism, whether you want to believe that that's a gay exorcism or a demon exorcism. Or both. Unclear. Or both, right? Yeah, because they could say, oh, you weren't gay until this demon possessed you. So if we get rid of the demon, we'll also get rid of the gay. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we can have so many varied readings, I think it speaks to Haxton's attempt to confuse or challenge our assumptions about like where the danger lies. But I think the issue is that because it's not clear, there's a room for different readings, some of which are not supportive of this short. Right. And granted, I think that is a good thing to have because it it will spark conversations like this. But I also think, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, that's cool. But you also have to be ready for the backlash as well as the support for whatever it is you're doing. Because I can see people watching this and being offended because of the reasons that you already said. Yeah. Now, one thing, just in case you did watch this and have an initial negative reaction to it, I should clarify that this is the second gay short that Haxton has made that he's relatively well known for. So as I mentioned off the top, Jake Robbins, the actor who plays CJ and Haxton are frequent collaborators. And two years before this short, they worked on another short called Tonight It's Me. So a lot of people watched that first short and thought like, oh, okay, this is going to be a sequel when Tonight It's You came out. And to a certain extent, it feels like they're in conversation with another because Jake Robbins also plays a character named CJ in that short. But that one is actually a queer drama romance about a hustler that starts off with him having a negative experience with a John who hires him. It's gross and lecherous, and then he ends up going to a trans woman's house, and he doesn't know 
that she's trans and they have to talk about the politics of it, but they end mm. up having a really sweet night together. So it's not that Haxton is one of those filmmakers who's trying to cash in on like a gay agenda kind of short. But I think when he dabbles into trying to confuse or like twist his audience with this horror version, right, which is what he really wanted to do. Like he used the popularity of tonight. It's me to make this one, which is the one he really wanted to make. I just don't think he quite had it executed the way it needed to be. Yeah, I I would agree with that. What, what do we make of the ending of this then when it's just, Hunter standing across the really gross looking pool from CJ. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that we've seen that CJ's eyes have changed when he was in the shower, Mm -hmm. furiously scrubbing the encounter off, right? So that's, to me, where the positive piece of it, like, this is about possession. And what Hunter has done is he has also possessed CJ. Now, again, whether you want to read queerness into that, that's debatable. Well, CJ was already gay. So I think it's more like Hunter was looking for a partner. I, I, I was going to say, I mean, I had CJ not already been gay, because I think you could also read it as, okay, well, because when he's on top of um, CJ, you know, he like vomits stuff in his mouth. Yeah. It like spreads the gay to him. But mm. because CJ's already gay, it doesn't come across that way. But I can see how someone would be like, oh, it's the gay agenda. He indoctrinated another person into his gay cult. <laughs> Yeah, and instead I think it's just, oh, it's the demon agenda. He's right. possessed someone else into his demon cult. So yeah, I guess, yeah, that's probably the button you need to make this go down a bit easier. Would you watch a feature-length version of this? <sighs> this is a tough one. I feel like this is actually pretty good. I would have liked a little more clarity. Like, I don't right. think the narrative is quite there, but I think it's really stylishly shot. Like, I like this short quite a mm-hmm. bit, all things considered. But I don't know if it needs to be longer. Yeah, I think Haxton directs it very well. I mean, I think the only benefit of making it longer would be to expand and maybe clarify some things. I would say, but on its own, I mean, like, this this is a 17-minute short. Like, it's one of the longer ones that we've covered, and it feels mostly full at that runtime. Yeah, I think maybe a couple minutes more just to unpack the religious connotation would have helped Mm -hmm. it. But aside from that, I could definitely see a feature-length version of this. I just don't know that I need it. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Well, listeners, let us know what y'all think. Um, did you read positive things into Tonight It's You, or did you walk away a bit offended? Please let us know. As usual, the shortest in our show notes, or you can find it on our socials. But um, yeah, just let us know. And on that note, we can cross out Tonight It's You. Yes, and cross out micro queers. Mm-hmm.